This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best artists to you. This segment of St. Xavier Sports is presented by WXAV 88.3 FM Chicago and the Xavierite. My name is Mike Rankin, and alongside me is Athletics Director and Head Coach of the SXU Women's Basketball Team, Mr. Bob Halberg. Coach, thank you so much for jumping on and taking the time to do this. I know your busy schedule. Pleasure. It's always uh, fun to talk basketball. Awesome. We're going to do that today, but first got to set the stage because I am literally sitting across from basketball greatness. I'm going to list out some accomplishments throughout your career, your illustrious career. This season, specifically, you've achieved your 1,000th career win, which is just an incredible milestone for you. And you're a Hall of Fame member of a variety of different outlets, starting with your high school, Leo High School, as well as St. Xavier University right here, University of Illinois, Chicago, the Chicago Catholic League, the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association, Chicagoland Sports, and as well as Chicago State University. Uh, so you've been coaching since 1966, started at Kennedy High School, and coached for five years there with the men's basketball team. Astounding record of 93-16. and 16. So eventually, you went throughout your career and landed here and started in 2000. Now first, how has St. Xavier, for you, treated you throughout your time here, and what qualities of the school made you feel comfortable enough to call it home? Well, as you recall, this is my second tenure here. I was the first men's basketball coach from 1971 to 1977, and having left here in 77 to go to Chicago State University and on to UIC, I was approached by Dr. Steve Murphy uh, when they built the Shannon Center about starting a women's basketball program and invited back in 2000 to do that. I can't believe how fast the 17 years have gone. But... uh, it's so much different than it was uh, between 1977. You could imagine how much a place changes in 2000. In those days, the faculty all knew each other. The staff knew each other. We all sat in the same cafeteria, and we partied a lot in each other's house. Now there's there's no partying going on because you don't know who the staff members are. <laughs> so it was a very small place at that time, but uh, it always had the quality of friendliness uh, nice people that you worked with. You enjoyed each other's company. So aside from the coaching and athletic director aspect of the job, uh, it just has always been to me a great place to work. You are in your 17th season as head coach of the women's basketball program. It's kind of crazy to think about uh, starting back in 2000 that you were actually the first coach in its inaugural season for the women. What does that mean to you specifically now that you've turned them into a national powerhouse at this level? Well, we we were fortunate that they were instantly successful. You know, uh, with all freshmen and one one transfer student uh, on the team, we were able to win 22 games our first year. So we've never had a losing season. We never came close to having a losing season. And in 17 years, never had a season where we won less than 20 ball games. During that time, we've become progressively better each year to where we've qualified several times for national championship play. We've dominated the conference in the CCAC for years. And by dominating doesn't necessarily mean first place every year, but if not first place, second place some years. And uh, I think the number one thing that I take pride of is consistency. We've been very good over the years, never had a bad season, and been consistently productive regardless of the players. You know, every time somebody graduates, they say, well, St. Xavier's going to be down. Look who they lost. They lost so-and-so. They lost Morgan Stute. They're going to be down next year. They lost Mary Kane. They're going to be down next year. Uh, I pride myself on the fact that I don't like being down. That's not a lot of fun. 
I just want to follow up on that, and that's a great point because you have to continue, especially in a college setting. This isn't the pros. You can't sign a player for years. You have to continue the recruiting process. How was that process for you? What do you look for in a specific player to call them a Cougar? Well, I think the number one thing is you have to be good at identifying talent because in Chicago, everybody comes in to recruit. So the number one thing that you face is all the Division I scholarships that are offered as well as several Division II scholarships that are offered. And you sometimes have to find a diamond in the rough that for some reason was overlooked. You know, DePaul or UIC or Loyola or Northern Illinois thought she was too slow, too small, uh, not aggressive enough, couldn't play defense well enough. And you got to look through all of that and find the strengths of that player and capital on that street. The important thing is being able to go out and find somebody that's very good, yet the other schools seem to be missing the boat on and nobody recognizes that. And then getting in here and capitalizing on their strengths in order to uh, continue to develop a good program. Right. Managing personalities, that's a huge thing for a head coach. What are some of the challenges specifically in that that makes you so relatable, that makes you so personable and as a coach, you send a message to your team. How do you relate to your players in that sense and manage their personalities? Well, excuse me, there's no doubt in my mind in this day and age, the number one thing a coach has to be is a good communicator. You know, the days of uh, when I started out to try to tell the player, well, I'm the coach and that's the way it is and that's the way it is because I said so. That style of coaching is no longer uh, acceptable. You have to sit in your office with a player and be very good at communicating. you got to know the differences in your players, the different personalities in your players, what motivates a player, what demotivates the player, and how to treat them all. And it's extremely important that you treat your players all well off the court. The problem that you have with coaching sometimes is trying to get them all into a basketball game. You can't get 13 girls into the game each night. That doesn't mean they don't all get the same ice cream cone at the end of practice. You know, so being able to have them realize that even though you didn't put them in no game, you still care about them as a person. You care about them as a as a student. You know, one of the things I'm proudest of is every girl in our program has graduated. You know, we not have one in 17 years that didn't graduate. You know, we had one or two transfer for various reasons, but anybody that stayed here have all come got their degree and become very successful. That's uh, a great point. Talking about the incentive of the player to take care of the schoolwork, obviously that is the most important. You're here, it's a privilege to play basketball at St. Xavier University, but obviously school is the most important, so I love that point. I want to kind of bounce back off of that because you talked about that's a specific challenge, right, is getting 13 players to play. What other challenges has presented themselves over the course of your coaching career? Is it like relationships with boosters maybe, relationships with players, even parents regarding playing time, anything that stands out in your mind as, as a challenge as a coach? Well, I think it's always a challenge, to be honest with you, um, sometimes dealing with parents. We have to understand, if you've done this a long time, people, parents come to game to see their children play. You know, whether it's basketball, baseball, or football, they show up at the game in order to see their child get into the game and hopefully do something positive. The biggest challenge in coaching sometimes is you can't always keep the family happy. It's up to you to make the pizza taste well that night when they go out to dinner after the game, or the discussion will be, you know, how come the coach didn't put you in, etc. So it's been very challenging over the years to know that you're dealing with the mom and dad's most precious commodity, and that's the child. 
Nothing is more important than the child. I said to a parent one time, I understand you love your daughter. I love all 13 of them. I've got 13 people each night looking for happiness out of me. So that's become very challenging because the the moms and dads nowadays invest a lot of money in their children when they're coming up in sports. They put them in camps and club teams, and whether it's basketball or gymnastics, they're hoping that the ultimate payoff someday is a college scholarship. And in basketball, only about 2% of the people that ever play basketball starting in grammar school go on and win a college scholarship. So because of that, they always get to college and they say, well, we're all the same now. They're all equal. They're all good. They should all be playing the same amount of minutes. And you just can't do that as a coach. And as a result, keeping people happy is one of the occupational hazards of the job of coaching. Let's shift the focus now to strictly this season. Uh, the women are currently ranked third in the country and own an 18-2 and record and have a lot of aspirations to make their way to the national tournament and even make a run at the championship. What are the strengths of this team that make them that good? Well, you mentioned 17 years. Uh, It's very difficult in women's basketball in particular to find players who play both the offensive end and the defensive end. Many times, particularly in the women's game, you've got to remember I coached men for 30 years. In the women's game, you sometimes find a girl that can play offense but can't play defense. Many times, I shouldn't say sometimes. You sometimes find very good defensive players that can't shoot and play offense. The strength of our team this year has been the ability to put five people on the floor at a time. They can all score and play defense and make good decisions with the basketball. Another thing in, in women's basketball, which coaches deal with a lot, is the turnover. Taking the ball and just throwing it to the other team, making bad decisions with them. I think... Uh, I would say offensively, defensively, and fundamentally, we're just more sound with five at a time. A lot of times a coach has to hide a defensive player somewhere. Well, she can't play defense, so we've got to put her on the worst offensive player on the other team. We've been kind of blessed this year that I can throw five out there at the time that all will play both ends of the floor for me. Now, you talk about your starting five. Now, two of them are freshmen. What can you tell me about the two freshmen in particular, Maddie Walter, as well as Chanel Fanter and their influence on what you want to do in rotation offensively as well as defensively? Well, I think they're the keys to the team because as freshmen, it's very hard to repeat myself again and get players that play both ends of the floor. So both Maddie and Chanel came here out of high school as very good offensive players. Even I didn't know how good defensively they're going to be. And There's no loafing out there at practice. The two of them play very hard, and that's what blends in with Kara and Michaela and Brittany, my returning starters who already had the offensive intensity and the defensive intensity. And now I bring in two freshmen I throw right out there, and the two of them have just blended in very well because they play extremely hard at practice and during the course of a ball game. Now, you mentioned the big three of sorts, Michaela Layden, Kara Kralicki, and Brittany Collins. They've been so productive on various aspects of their game this season. Talk about Kara Kralicki. What is it about the the first-team All-American that makes her so valuable to this Cougars team? I think the big thing with Kara is... uh uh, sometimes in women's basketball, you deal with a confidence level. You know, the, the guys that I coach all thought they were Michael Jordan. You know, you don't have that same high confidence level, which makes Kara so valuable. She has an extremely high confidence level of herself as a basketball player. She doesn't get intimidated by people getting up in her face or putting two people on her to guard her. She, uh, she believes that every night she's going to go out and get her 20 and 25 points. And when you got that confidence level and you don't have to doubt yourself, I hope I play well tonight. I hope I have a good game tonight. Uh, when you're hoping bad things usually happen, 
when Kara and her confidence level goes, I know I'm going to get my 20 or 25 tonight. And she has no guilty conscience. She's got a shooter's mentality. You know, sometimes you got to watch a shot that she takes in occasionally, but you don't want to take that confidence level away from her. So she's more probably one of the most confident female basketball players I've coached here. A couple more questions and I'll get you out of here, Coach. Thank you again for taking the time to do this. I consider Michaela Layden sort of the rock of this group. I mean, she does so many things well defensively. She's usually guarding one of their, the other team's top offensive scorers. She also runs the floor well, and she can play at various different positions defensively. What kind of expectations do you have for her specifically this year? Well, you're right. She is the, the glue to the team. Somebody asked me one time in one word to uh, describe Michaela Layden, and my word was tough. She's just tough, you know. Uh, she does everything well. She rebounds almost like a big forward. She triggers the fast break off the rebound. She can go inside. She can go outside and hit a three. She plays good defense. She's in very good shape and runs the floor. Uh, We've only got one senior on the team this year, and you don't want to look forward to next year, but she's going to be, I mean, one starting senior, I should say. She's going to be extremely tough to replace because she's so versatile. You can count on her for so many different aspects, and she's almost unstoppable going to the basket. Final question for you, and you brought up the seniors. There are five this year. What has been the leadership like? I think that uh, the, the basketball term chemistry and combinations are sometimes misused. Uh, a lot of times chemistry, they talk about your on-the-court chemistry. I think chemistry is something that happens off the court. It happens in the dorm. It happens at lunchtime. It happens in the pizza parlor. That's where you develop chemistry. The thing that we have, aside from the talent of our team this year, is we have 13 nice players. I don't mean nice by talent. I mean just nice individuals. People are easy to coach. People who like each other as teammates. People who cheer for each other. And my seniors, the ones that haven't played a lot this year, have done a great job of of just supporting their teammates. It's hard when you're a senior to come in and find a freshman in your spot. You know, you put in four years into the program, but I don't go by what year they're in. I go by how they look at practice. And our freshmen have really opened up their arms to the, uh, I mean our seniors to the freshmen. And that's really helped us create good team chemistry. Under Coach Hallberg, the women's basketball program has a record of 433 and 117. That's a winning percentage of .787. And they've made the national tournament in each of the last 14 seasons. Cougars are a model program known throughout the country at the Division II NAI level. And that is due in large part to the man sitting across from me. Coach, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. It's always a pleasure seeing you and good luck the rest of the way. I appreciate it. Every coach enjoys the opportunity to talk some basketball, so we'll do it again. Thank you for listening to this WXAV.com podcast. Check out WXAV.com for future podcasts. WXAV, the escape from ordinary radio.